I want to call my message, what am I after? All right, so it's going to be a family talk time. So if you're visiting with us this morning, just excuse me. I'm just kind of talking to the church like a family. I want to tell people what I'm after. What am I going after? I'm doing this for the purpose. I'm doing this for the reason I will get to know towards the end of the message. I wanted to share with us as a church, share with us as a congregation, as a family, what is your pastor after? You know, what's he going after? So at least we'll all know whether we want to go after him or not, to follow him or not, you know, go in the same direction or not. What am I after? And uh, I just want to break it down into three simple statements. The first thing that I'm after is for a deeper intimacy with God. A deeper relationship with God. That's what I want to pursue. And that's what I'm after. A deeper intimacy with God. David said it like this. He said, you know, one thing I've desired of a Lord. And that's what I'm going to seek after. That's what I'm going to pursue. Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I've desired of a Lord. And that will I seek after. See, whatever you desire of a Lord, you have to seek after it. It's not just going to drop out of heaven just like that, just because you desire it. You have to seek after it, go after it. One thing I've desired of a Lord, I'm going to seek after that. And David said, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to see God. I want to see His beauty, all His greatness, His grandeur, His awesomeness. I want to see His beauty. So he's pursuing after that. And I want to make that my pursuit. One thing I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after. To behold the beauty of the Lord. A deeper intimacy with God. Amen. What am I after? A deeper intimacy with God. However, here's the clarification. I don't want just knowledge about God. I want experience of God. Amen. So many of us, the problem is, in our, in our walk with God, we pursue knowledge and we think knowledge is the end in itself. And so what happens? We get more smarter and we know how to argue better with each other. No, no, no. This is what the Hebrew says. This is what the Greek says. So we get more information. We go, get more equipped to debate harder and etc., etc. But that's not the purpose of the Christian life. It's not just to live right, do right, and know right. I mean, that's important. You need to know the truth. You need to uh, uh, live right. That's important. But that's not the end in itself. It all has to bring us into a greater experience of who God is. Amen? What did Jesus say in John 8? He said, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And did he stop there? He didn't stop there. He said, and the truth will set you free. He didn't say, you, you will know the truth. And be happy that you know the truth. No, no, no. You will know the truth, and the truth will do something to you. It will bring you into an experience. Amen. So the knowledge of the truth, which we call revelation, must bring us into some sort of an experience of the truth. Are you listening? Our goal is not just to know the truth. Knowing the truth is only part, is a journey. But it's got to bring us into the truth, changing us. And us encountering the truth, experiencing the truth. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Amen. Sometimes we deceive ourselves by thinking that knowledge is the end. That in itself is a deception. Because James says, you know, if you know the word but you don't do it, you're deceiving your own self. If your knowledge of the word doesn't translate into something in your life, 
into an experience in life, then what has happened? We have stopped with knowing, and that in itself is a deception. Amen? So what am I pursuing? I'm saying, God, I want to know you. I want a deeper intimacy with you. God, I want to experience more of you. Amen? And there is more of God that we, have, that we are yet to experience. The second thing that I'm after. What am I after? Second thing. I'm after an authentic, steady flow of the supernatural. that will result in signs, wonders, and miracles. Let me explain this and then say why I'm after this. I'm after an authentic, steady flow of the supernatural. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Authentic, because it's sad to say, but we have to admit that so much of what we call the display of the supernatural is a mix of hyper-emotionalism. It's a mix of pre-programmed psychological response without a genuine demonstration of the power. We just have to be honest with ourselves. Amen? You won't get angry with me for being honest with you. But that's what we're seeing. It's kind of strange when you see somebody... You know, going and just, you know, uh, so-called slaying about 50 people on the stage in the, in the spirit. And then you have two, three little children who are standing up there and wondering, what's this guy doing? All the others are on the floor. So that tells me the adults have been pre-programmed to respond that way. But the little children who are innocent, who, don't, who have not been pre-programmed, they have, that means there's, there's, there's not real substance there. Are you listening? So we want the authentic. Not a pre-programmed emotional response where, where people just react and it looks great on television, but it's not authentic. Amen? We want the authentic. Because I'd rather have blind eyes open and deaf ears hear and dumb out speak and lame walk than have 50 people emotionally fall on the floor and no life's changed. Are you listening? It's wrong. So we need the authentic. We must pursue an authentic and a steady flow. Why do I say a steady flow? You know, God has really called us to live in the realm of the Spirit and from there operate in the normal, in the natural realm. And our Christian life is supposed to be a walk in the supernatural. Thank God for the occasional demonstrations of signs, wonders, and miracles we experience. But we want to come to a place where this will be a steady thing. Where we will be naturally supernatural. Amen? We want to press into that. If you desire something from God, you've got to pursue it. You've got to press into it. So we must press in. Where we will see this happen naturally. It will be naturally supernatural. We have a house full of people who are flowing in this. Now we say, no, but why is this so important? You know, why must we pursue the supernatural? Several reasons I can give. I'll just share a few with you this morning. Why must we pursue the supernatural? One, because it is normal to be like Jesus. Tell a neighbor, it's normal to be like Jesus. Jesus is the normal Christian life. Anything aside from that is not normal. So a lot of what you and I call normal is really not normal because it doesn't match up to Jesus. Amen. And we are all called to be like Him. 1 John 2 verse 6 says, If anyone says that he abides in Him, then he must walk even as Christ walks. That's it. What's the normal Christian life? Be like Jesus. To be like Jesus is normal. Anything outside of that is not. So we are still becoming normal. Amen. Don't feel bad about it. We're all on the same journey. 
We are all progressing to be more and more Christ-like, like Jesus. That's the normal Christian life. That's what we are all supposed to be. And we are pressing into that. We're not there yet, I know. But we are pressing in. And Jesus, his walk was a supernatural walk. I mean, it was just normal for him. You know, when he, when he went to the market, he saw a woman with the issue of blood. A woman with the issue of blood touched him. He was walking there, got healed. She got healed. I mean, it was just normal. He didn't have to say, you know, come to my crusade this evening. It's at 7 o'clock. An anointing would come on me at that time. He didn't do that. It was out there in the dusty, dirty streets that people got healed. He was naturally supernatural. You know, when they brought this man, this, this young boy, they, uh, the father brought this young boy to Jesus in Matthew 17 and said, you know, Lord, can you help me? Uh, my son is really troubled. Uh, he, he, he falls, uh, you know, he tries to kill himself very suicidal, jumps in the fire. Sometimes he tries to drown himself. And all. Jesus didn't say, can you come back after three days? I need to fast and pray for three days. No. He just ministered. He had already moved into a place of authority from which he could minister. He didn't fast and pray on the, based on the demand of the situation into a place of authority. He had already moved into that place of authority from which he could minister. Amen? Although he did say, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. But Jesus didn't pray, neither did he fast in that moment. So what does it tell you and me? He had already moved into that place from which he could naturally be supernatural. And the Bible says we have to walk as Christ walks. Amen. Jesus is our standard, and we need to press into that. So what am I after? I'm after moving into that, that place where I can be like Jesus, where there will be an authentic, steady flow of the supernatural through our lives. Why else must we do this? Because, you know, God loves people, and God demonstrates His love towards people. We are called to love God. We are called to love people. But love is not a feeling. It's something you demonstrate. And one of the greatest ways, apart, aside from the cross, one of the greatest ways that Jesus demonstrated compassion and love for people is when He healed the sick, He cleansed the lepers, He raised the dead, He cast out devils. Amen. So if I say I love God and I say I love people, then I must contend for this so that I can, out of the compassion that I have for people, I can bring this for them. Amen. Why else must I do this? Because this is the gospel. When Jesus brought the kingdom, the, mess, the gospel of the kingdom, he went everywhere, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out devils. And he gave the same gospel to his disciples. He didn't give, you know, he didn't keep first class gospel for Jesus and second class gospel for the disciples. You preach a different gospel. No. He said, go preach the same message. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. And that same gospel was, was a gospel Paul preached. And the same gospel has been handed down to you and me today. It's the gospel of the kingdom that is accompanied with the power of God that affects every sphere of human life. Amen. So we do it. We've got to present to this. What am I after? An authentic, steady flow of the supernatural, the signs, wonders, and miracles will just be normal for us. I'm pressing into that. The last thing. What am I after? I'm after building a church of influence. What am I after? I want to raise up a church of influence. Amen. We're not just after having big crowds coming and go like, you know, Sunday morning, go for market. You go to the market and go back home. I mean, we're not after that. We want to raise up a church that will truly be salt and light in our city. 
and a voice to our nation and to the nations. A church of influence, where every person is equipped, commissioned, and released to take their mountain. You understand the message we've been sharing in the last... Uh, I shared this when we talked about church reformation for city transformation. I talked about this when uh, Dr. George Anadere shared about the seven mountains. So it's, it's an understanding that's coming in where, I just, let me just give you a little background to this. You know, several years ago, and I think it was in the 70s or 80s, I forget. But several years ago, two men of God, one was Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade, and uh, Lauren Cunningham, who was the founder of Youth with a Mission. Uh, they were planning to meet just for a time of fellowship. And God spoke to both of them separately. God spoke to Bill Bright and he said, Bill, when you go meet Lauren, I want you to share this with him, that the church needs to take seven mountains if it's going to transform society. So God gave that message to Bill Bright. And then he spoke to Lauren Cunningham and he said, Lauren, when you go to meet Bill, I want you to tell him, the church needs to take seven mountains, seven mind molders. And he gave him the seven. So they met. And Bill says, you know, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, we're supposed to, the church is supposed to take these seven mountains. And Lord comes and says, hey, the Lord spoke to me and said the same thing. So they exchanged notes. The Lord has spoken to both of these men of God. And these were men of influence, men leading great ministries. Spoke to them, said the same thing to both of them. They exchanged notes. And then that became a message then that spread throughout the body of Christ, which you and I are hearing about today. That God wants his people to rise up and take these seven mountains of arts, politics, education, business, media, uh, family, and religion. God wants his the body of Christ, the people of God, to take these seven mountains and thus transform society, transform the world. Amen. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church where people are equipped not to join the ministry, but to go out and make a difference. Amen. The church is not a hideout where you and I, you know, come together, huddle together and hide away from the world. But the church is a place where you are equipped to go and be an influencer in the world. Amen. And you don't have to be afraid. Whether it's politics, we need people there. Whether it's entertainment, we need people there. We, whether it's business, we need people there. We need people in all of these spheres who will be able to influence and bring about change. Now, here are some of the testimonies that are beginning to come out from around the body of Christ. Uh, Lance Wallenau, I, I'm not sure if I pronounce his last name correctly, but he's one of these major preachers and proponents of, of taking these seven mountains. He's, he's, he's put them all together very nice, nicely. And God has used them. He was a pastor. He was pastoring for a while, and now, now he's moved into really uh, bringing this truth to the body of Christ. God is using this so powerfully, and I was listening to some of the testimonies he was sharing. In uh, Bogota, Colombia, for example, he shares about how uh, the whole prison system was, con is, was controlled by the drug lords. And uh, now what he does is he brings the truth of the scripture, not as sermons to people, but as a training program. 
right? So he, ha he has a leadership training program. He has other things where he actually brings the word of God, the truth of the scripture, but without quoting chapter and verse, right? You don't quote chapter and verse because then they'll think you're preaching to them. But he brings the truth of the scripture. And so here's, I mean, there are many, many testimonies of entire uh, communities being transformed. But here's one example where, so they brought him in to speak. Now, what's happening in the prison system is this, that uh, everybody's bought over by the money that the drug, the drug lords have. So right from the guards uh, to everybody who's running the prison system, they've all been bought over by the money because the drug lords have so much money. So even if some of the people are, have been apprehended and put in prison, they live like kings inside the prison because they have the money. And none of the guards can say anything because they've all been bought over. So they bring uh, this leadership training program for these First, they bring to the, 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 the keepers of the prison, the guards. And they put them to the training program. I think it went over several weeks, maybe um, over a period of 40 days or more. And the whole objective is to disciple, to transform their thinking. That's it. So you're not preaching the gospel right up front. But you're changing the thinking. You're transforming their thinking. How? With the word of God. But not necessarily quoting chapter and verse, but letting them know the principles. And the whole... And at the end of this whole thing, the, these, these um, keepers of the prison, they make certain decisions. So we are not going to be bought over by the drug lords. We're going to do our job well. And we're going to treat the inmates right, etc., etc. And a whole revolution takes place because of them. Now the whole inmates go through the whole program. And the, 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 the entire prison system is totally transformed. And yet at the end of it, over 60% also give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this strategy that's being taken is this. You know, Jesus told us to go preach the gospel, but he also told us to disciple nations. So the strategy they take is this. Disciple them into the harvest. What we've taken is preach them into the harvest, but they disciple them into the harvest. And the same thing has worked with the judicial system uh, in another South American country. The entire judicial system has been transformed as a go through this leadership training program where the mindsets are affected, the mind molders of society are first changed, the thinking patterns are changed, then they are ready. Uh, not only do you transform society and what's happening there, but these same people are now ready to follow Jesus Christ. So you've discipled people into the harvest. Amen. And this is happening around the world. The challenge I want to put before you and me is this. We need, somebody has to do this in our city, in our nation. And it's going to be you and me. Amen. That we must be the influencers. We must be the salt and the light in our city. God needs people in places of influence. Now, God needs pe people everywhere. You know, just think about this. What if, if, if there were people... That you, some of you, were in places that Narayan Murthy and Vijimalya enjoy in our city today. They're not bad people. But it would be so wonderful if there were some godly people like you in their places who would be able to use that influence to transform society and to disciple a city into the harvest. Amen. God needs people up there. He also needs people who will go to the slums. Amen. 
He also needs people who reach out to the street children. He also needs people who reach out to the widows, the orphans. I mean, he, God needs people everywhere. And you and I must be those people who will be willing to go into those places. Amen. So what am I after? After raising or building up a church, a church of influence, a church that will really impact the city and the nation and the Lord willing nations of this world. Amen. So why am I sharing this with you? Because I want to invite you to come on the same journey. Amen? It'll be very hard if you're all pulling in different directions. Very hard. Amos, the third chapter, and verse 3 says, Can two people walk together unless they are in agreement? If we are going to walk into this, we need to be in agreement. We must be in agreement that we must press into a deeper level of intimacy with God. We need to be in agreement that we must contend for an authentic, steady flow of the supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's important to us as believers because that's the normal Christian life. And we must agree that we, we must become a church of influence, not just a church that comes and meets and enjoys the presence of God. Uh, all of that is important, all that's wonderful. But we must agree that we must get out into our world and be influencers wherever God has placed us. Some of you may be school teachers. Some of you may be lawyers, doctors, engineers, professionals. But you say, God, I want to be an influencer where you've placed me. I want to bring some change, whether it's in high places or whether it's out on the streets, places where people are hurting and suffering. Wherever God has placed you, you must say, I want to be an influencer. Amen. And Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, it will be done by my Father who is in heaven. The place of agreement is a place of power. Amen. If we can all pull in the same direction and say, you know, this is what we are after as a church. We're going to pursue an experience of God, a deeper intimacy with God, where we can really experience God. I mean, thank God for knowledge, but the Bible says knowledge puffs up. So knowledge for the sake of knowledge itself is not what we are after. Our knowledge, revelation of God must bring us an experience. We want to pursue that. We want to pursue the normal Christian life, which is a life of the supernatural. And we want to be a church that will influence the world around it. An individual can disciple an individual. A community can disciple a community. And a nation can disciple a nation. It's very difficult for one individual to disciple a nation. Or for one individual to disciple a community. You have some examples of it. But you need a community to disciple a community. We must be that community that can disciple our city. We must be a nation within our nation that can disciple our nation. A nation of God's people. Amen. We must be the community that says, yes, we, can, we want to disciple our city into the harvest. See our city transform. Which means you and I must take our places out in the world. Whether it's in high places or whether it's with the poor and needy and hurting. Wherever each one finds their place, begins to make a difference. You come Sunday morning, you're equipped. And then you go out and make a difference in this world. Amen. In Genesis 11, verse 6, it's that situation where the people had come together and they were building the Tower of Babel. And Genesis 11, 6 is very interesting because God comes to see what these people are doing. And He says, you know, all these people are one and they have one language. And look what they're about to do. Nothing will be withheld from them. He's saying these people are one. They have one language. And so what? Whatever they want to do, 
it's going to be done. So that's the power of being one and having one language. I'm not talking about one regional language. I'm talking about one language in the Spirit. That we are one. And we're saying, look, we're all going to go after the same thing. We're going to have to go after deeper intimacy with God, where we can experience more of God. We're going to go after uh, the normal Christian life, which is a life of the supernatural. We're going to go after being a church of influence. And when we are one and we have one language, God says nothing can be withheld from us. Amen. So I want to invite you this morning just to, uh, uh, if there's a stirring in your heart saying, you know, God, I feel that I need to go with this. That I want you to respond from within you and say, God, I will go with this. I'm going to be part of this journey of pursuing deep intimacy with you, where I experience God, not just accumulate knowledge of God. Where I, where I pursue being a normal Christian, where the supernatural becomes natural. And God, where I pursue being an influencer in my world. Would to God that He would raise up people, many of these young people here, raise up, uh, bring them into great positions of authority, and they can then transform the mind molders of the people around them in their context. It may be either in a business organization, it may be in politics, it may be in education, wherever. Would to God that God will raise some of you, put you in those places where when you speak, mindsets change. And what you speak may not be, you know, you won't quote, the ser- you won't preach a sermon, but what you speak will be the Word of God just coming out through you in normal language and will affect the culture of people around you and will disciple them ready for the harvest. So when they do have an encounter with Jesus Christ, they'll be so ready to receive it. Amen. We want to see God raise up such people. I'm not saying that everybody has to be a millionaire or multimillionaire. God also needs some people who say, you know, I'm willing to go to those slums. It may be dirty, it may be bad, these people may not you know, be kind, they may not be polite, they may talk, but I'm willing to get in there, work with them, and bring about change. God needs those people as well. Amen. And would to God that God will raise up people from here who would be that kind of people to transform our society. Jesus said, you are salt, you are light. Amen.